Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Now, I'm 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 going to preach today from the book of Romans, chapter number 6, and I'm going to read this text to you. It's in the NIV, 1984 edition. The new one's a little bit more like the message. It's the 84 NIV. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. But today I want to preach about one word. Everybody say freedom. freedom. And I don't want you to get up and move around. I want to talk about real freedom today because everybody needs freedom. Amen. Take somebody by the hand and say, I'm going to help the pastor. And you may be seated. I won't be long. I hope it's decent. God bless. So tomorrow we celebrate Independence Day. And I thought you might enjoy these thoughts from an unknown author. I'd have put my name to some of these. Only in America can a pizza arrive at your house faster than an ambulance. (laughs) Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers. Large fries and a Diet Coke. (laughs) Only in America do banks leave both doors open and then chain their pens to the counter. (laughs) Only in America do we use answer machines to screen calls and then have call waiting so we won't miss a call from someone we didn't want to talk to in the first place. (laughs) Only in America do we buy hot dogs and packages of tens and buns and packages of eight. Only in America do we use the word politics to describe the process so well. Poly, Latin meaning many, and ticks meaning blood-sucking creatures. That's funny. It might have been a little harsh on the politicians. No. The hymnal revision committee of the United Methodist Church had a problem approaching the 1988 general conference and The new hymnal was to be introduced called the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And as they were struggling over the phrase, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. They questioned, is freedom for others worth dying for? And Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians came up with a different version. And they had a softer lyric that said, as he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free. The conference chose Mr. Waring's version, but the songbook published the original version. Because sometimes in our life we have to go the other way. In his book, Talking Straight, Lee Iacocca shares some interesting stories uh, about raising funds for the 100th birthday celebration, 1986, of the Statue of Liberty. She's 130 years old today. How many of y'all seen the lady, Liberty, in, in, in Liberty Island? Have you seen her? All right. She's beautiful. For example, there was a man from Poland who sent $2 for the beautiful symbol. He never expected to see Lady Liberty, but at least he could dream about it. Then there was a money order from a refugee camp in Thailand. 78 homeless Vietnamese had passed the hat and come up with $114.19 as a humble share 
for the rehabilitation for her 100th birthday. And Iacocca said, that floored me. These were people who had lost everything, everything in their life but hope. And the lady in the harbor is a symbol of that hope. And they simply were pleading for, with us to keep the torch lit. The Statue of Liberty at Liberty Island. What a beautiful lady she is. A universal symbol of political freedom. Yet there's another symbol of freedom, however, that's far more important than the Statue of Liberty. I speak of the cross of Jesus Christ today. Now don't get me wrong. Please understand. Political freedom is important. I put it on the screen. Many of us watched with reverent admiration as a lone student. Stared down a tank in Tiananmen Square. Remember the tingle of excitement some of you felt when you saw the destruction of the Berlin Wall during the Reagan era. Or the capture and subsequent deaths of two tyrant dictators that held so many people in bondage. And the world has witnessed so many great stories of liberty. The Statue of Liberty in America has never stood taller. And our flag still waves very, very proud. And I also remind you that a broken chain lies at the feet of Lady Liberty. As long as that statue and that flag stand for freedom and justice for all, then history is on our side. It really is. But freedom is a God idea. It's not a man idea. It's a God idea. Emma Lazarus wrote, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That is adjacent to the Statue of Liberty. It has never been God's will, never been God's will for any of his kids to be enslaved. When God created us in his own image, he created us for freedom. He really, really did. And when this country is on the side of freedom and justice and fair treatment of all people, we can be sure we're on God's side and blessed of him. However, Many times we have sometimes been aligned with the forces of oppression. And when that happens, we betray all that the Statue of Liberty and the American flag stands for. I love the story of John Wilkes Booth, even though he destroyed a great president. I love what happened after he did it. John Wilkes Booth shot President Lincoln. He leaped from the stage onto the stage from the president's box. And ironically, he caught his spur in the middle of his jump and he broke his leg. And most all people in America know what he tripped on. He tripped on the American flag that was encasing where the president said he tripped on old glory. Whenever we are embarrassed as a nation, it is generally because we have tripped on our own flag. Political freedom is still important today. I'm going to say it again. Political freedom is still important today. Many young lives have been lost in the cause of political freedom. To those people who have given their life, to that beautiful wall in Washington where all the people that gave their life in Vietnam, and all the beautiful people that are died in Arlington Cemetery, and all the folks that are, are, are dead and gone in unknown graves, and all those men who've been buried at sea, and all those men that's died overseas, the reason I have the ability to preach the gospel today unfettered and unchained is because somebody paid a price, a price that gave me freedom. My daddy was a World War II vet. He fought in the Navy. He left school in his junior year to go fight in World War II. And dad never talked about it a whole lot, but he did tell me, he said, son, every time 
you get up and do a funeral and there's a flag draped across that funeral. He said, you better, better believe, son. That was his famous line. You better believe it, son. You better believe, son, that you've got something to say. It don't matter if that man was the worst man in town. If he wears that flag on his casket, you've got something to brag on. You've got something to talk about for hours because that man gave his life for the cause of freedom in America. I think the men and women that gave their life, even on this day, should be applauded right now. It's not Memorial Day. It's not Veterans Day. But it's our liberty. Come on, it's our liberty. We owe it to them. However, political freedom is not the most important kind of freedom. It's really not. There have been many who've been in prison for long periods of time who have been freer in their minds and hearts and spirits than many who walk around enjoying the benefits and blessings of political freedom every day. Regardless of your political inclination, you have to wonder if Nelson Mandela, who was one of my heroes, he battled apartheid, was ever really a prisoner of the South African government. How does a man imprisoned for 27 long years Maintain such dignity, such grace, such ability to articulate the concerns of his people after being confined for such a long period of time. His body may have been imprisoned, but not his mind, not his heart, and not his soul. The Apostle Paul, who we talk about and wrote over half the books of the New Testament, was, knew what it was to be imprisoned. In fact, he died in prison. Some of his finest letters were written while he was behind bars. See, Paul knew the difference that there was a greater freedom than just political freedom. The freedom that really matters is freedom that is found within our lives. Amen. Everybody say, he that the Son has made free is free indeed. See, the freedom that comes from knowing that regardless of the circumstance... Whether in prison or out, we're under the watchful eye of the one who knows us and really loves us. The freedom knowing that our sins, regardless of how deep they're staying upon our soul, have been washed away. The freedom that allows us to stretch our wings and be all that we can be. That's the freedom that comes from Almighty God. It is sad to see someone who is enslaved, especially by his or her own weakness. I read a story, a very neat story, about a man named Reynald III. He was a 14th century duke in what we now know as Belgium. And Reynald was grossly overweight. And he was captured in a revolt by his younger brother and was imprisoned in a room that was built around him, literally built for him, around him. And the room had no bars on the window and it had no lock on the door, although the door was smaller than a normal door. But still, still because of his size, he could not squeeze through to freedom. He was too large. But there was hope. All he had to do to be a free man was to go on a diet. See Jennifer Wagner and go on Ideal Protein. That's all he had to do. His brother even offered to restore his title and his wealth as soon as he was able to shrink enough to get through the door and walk out. But the brother knew Reynolds' weakness. Every day he had sent to Reynolds' room a variety of delicious foods that were loaded in calories. So instead of growing thinner, Raynal grew thicker and bigger. I don't want to say fatter. That's a bad word in our house. He was a prisoner, not of locks or bars or iron gates, but he was a prisoner of his own appetite. 
Let me preach a little. There's a parable of that dilemma faced by many people every day. There are forces within the human personality that can attain an almost demonic grip on our behavior. And we must admire a person who wins a permanent victory over drugs, cocaine, and alcohol. Amen. And even overeating and cigarette addiction. Amen. It's not easy. But there are serious weaknesses in flesh of people. Psychologists now speak about even sexual addiction. People who are forced to deal with an enormous drive to abuse the blessed gift of sexuality. I'm preaching right now. The inability or failure to keep this drive under control keeps breaking hearts and breaking families and breaking lives. And then there's another form of enslavement with the advent of the lottery. And lotteries and addiction to gambling has become institutionalized. And I'm not up here preaching that you don't need to spend a dollar every now and then on a lottery ticket. But I'm talking about going and putting everything you have. And giving everything you have to something that will only satisfy you in one way. When you could give everything you have to Jesus Christ. And he could give you everything you need in your life. Amen. No matter how attractive such means of fundraisings are for our state, it's sad to see the government profit from what I call human weaknesses. It's always the person who can't least afford it who will buy the disproportionate number of lottery tickets for they represent hope to them. I'm preaching, folks. I'm sorry. I have to preach. It's sad to see people who are enslaved by their own weakness. But it's sadder still. To be enslaved in sin. Some ask, is not not the same thing? No, it's not. Our personal weaknesses, our frailties, are but symptoms of a far greater problem. Because many of us are still estranged from Almighty God. And sin, David said, has separated me from Him. See, folks, we were created to live in fellowship and harmony with God. Adam and Eve were perfectly comfortable walking in the Garden of Eden without any clothes on. They were naked and unashamed. But as soon as sin came, they tried to cover their sin and cover themselves in fig leaves. And they hid from God because sin makes us hide from the love of Almighty God. But I want to preach today. I don't care how covered you are in sin, how dark your heart is today. There is one in the house here today that wants to help and alleviate your problem. Hallelujah. And on this Independence Day, I must preach Jesus to this congregation one more time. On this Independence Day, I must tell you there is one coming. Hallelujah. After me, John said, who's mightier than I. The shoe latchet of his feet I can't even untie. But I baptize you with water. But he will baptize you with the holy water and with fire. And the Holy Ghost will come in your life. Hallelujah. We were created to walk in confidence. But because of broken relationships, anxiety haunts us. We drown in sorrows. We disguise our ambitions. We discard the divine image within us. We become slaves to doubt and despair and trust. Only one person, say it with me, only one can help us. Only one can help us. Over two centuries ago, a wealthy landowner named Sir Roger Bolter visited a traveling fair at Colchester. And as he went through the stalls and the sideshows, he suddenly heard the market square clock chime. 
And like a child, he stopped and he counted the chimes and he couldn't believe his ears. The clock chimed 13 times. And he thought he had miscounted until a small, frail man, very dressed, sharp, very, very, very appropriately dressed, came up to him and he said, did you hear what I just heard? The clock just chimed 13 times. And Sir Roger said, yeah, I heard it. And that night he went home and put it in his diary because he, he put everything like that in his diary. He made sure his diary got everything important. And two months later he woke up one morning and he, he sensed this compelling voice said, go to York, go to York, go to York. And he was never a man given to voices in his head, but he decided this is what I need to do. So that morning he went out to his stable and he saddled up his horse and he rode to York. And when he got to York that day, he went to the courthouse and saw that there was a huge crowd and finding out it was the last day of a murder trial inside. And he walked in and sat in the, in, in, in the, in the, in the public gallery where he heard the guilty verdict pronounced upon a particular man. And when the accused man was asked if he had anything to say, he replied, I am innocent, your honor. I was more than 100 miles away from the crime the day it took place. I was in Colchester. Another man and me heard a clock strike 13 that day. Immediately, Sir Roger stood up and declared, Now I know why I came to York today. And he walked down and got in front of the judge and explained to the judge and showed him his diary. And he understood he was a Sir Roger Bolter. And the judge believed it because he had written it down that this man was there and they saw it together. And the man was set free because of his testimony. And as they walked out, Sir Roger and this man, the freed man said to the benefactor, you're the only man in all the world who could have saved me today. Here's a word for you today. Torment and turmoil come because of our estrangement from Almighty God. But there's only one man in this house today that can save you and set you free. And he's there for you. Oh, I want to preach right now. And his name is Jesus. And he came to set the captive free. And he came to give liberty to those that are bound. He is the man from Nazareth. His name is Jesus. Would you say it with me, Jesus? Would you say it again, Jesus? A little woman walked over 75 miles one time because she heard that there was a missionary preaching about a man that could set the captive free. She walked 75 miles one way to hear the name and she heard Jesus preach and that night gave her heart to the Lord and walked back home. She was in the land of China. It was before the Iron Curtain was raised and before Christianity had really come. And she went home and somebody said, well, where'd you go here? She said, I heard about a man. So well, what was his name? She said, I can't for the life of me remember his name. And the next day, so help me, the next day or the day after, she walked 75 miles back. And walked up to the preacher and said, would you tell me that man's name again? He said, his name is Jesus. She said, would you write it here? And he wrote Jesus in her hand, Jesus in her hand. So she went back, she said, that's his name. I wish today, I wish today that I could engrave it on your head. I could put it in your hands. I could put it in your heart. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven 
given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm not against religions of the world, but Buddha can't save you. Harry Krishna can't save you. Allah can't save you. Come on now. But there's a name that's above every name. I want to put it on your head. I want to put it in your heart. I want to put it on your hands. There's one here today that can still save you. Richard DeHaan tells a story about a man named Mr. Klein. He was a Scrooge of the town. And all the kids hated him. And all the parents tried to keep their kids away from him. And he was walking down the streets of the city one summer night all alone by himself because nobody wanted to be around him. And he heard the singing from a church. And he walked past that church. And the congregation sang, they sang, Saved by grace alone, this is my plea. Jesus died for all mankind and Jesus died for me. And his hearing wasn't very good. And he didn't have hearing aids. And he said, when he heard them say Jesus died for all mankind, he thought they said Jesus died for old mankind. (laughs) And he said, somebody's written a song for me. (laughs) And he walked in the building and gave his heart to the Lord. Was born again and baptized. And now all of a sudden the kids started getting nickels from him. And started being blessed and he became the hero of the town. It's amazing how Jesus can turn you around and get you going in the other direction because there's nobody can save you like Jesus can save you. Texas last night on my way home from I did a double murder funeral last night in Elgin husband and wife run over by a drunk driver going 100 miles an hour killed him and ran from the scene and it was a uh, it was a uh, unbelievable couldn't even open the casket and I was so I was I kind of bummed out when I left that funeral and on my way home a pastor from Leveland my old church called me and said how are you doing I said, who is this? Before I answer, is this the IRS? I'm doing, I need, I need more money. This Mr. Obama, I'll come see you next week when you want me to come up. This Governor Perry, yeah, Governor, I'll go play golf with you, whatever. 
but he's an old pastor from Leveland. He's a pastor that's been out there for five years. And he said, you know, I just thought about you. Thought about your salvation that God gave you here at this church. And I just wanted to call you and tell you thanks for still preaching the gospel. And my mind flashed back to a little old church, about 35, 40 people. And Jesus came in one night and saved this little old boy. When I was a seven-year-old kid, he saved me. I gave my heart to the Lord. I was baptized. Two years later, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody, nobody could do that but Jesus. When I hung up, I felt better about the funeral because somebody called and said, I just want to tell you, thanks for being a preacher of the gospel that found Jesus. I said, no, he found me. He came to where I was and saved me. And he's here today. Would you clap your hands? You're awesome people. We don't need new resolutions. We need a new heart. A heart that's at one with God. That's freedom. That is freedom. Mark Twain told of a night in the Mississippi River cut through a narrow neck of the land and actually changed the course of the Mississippi. It was before the Civil War. You're going to love this. And a slave who had been a slave to a family for a long time went to sleep as a slave in Missouri. And during the night, the river changed its course. And he woke up a free man in Illinois. God, that will preach. Lord, when Jesus died on the cross, a river, a river that took us to the grave and to hell changed courses. We woke up on the other side of the river. And now there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stain. What a joy to know that I'm on the right side of the river today. I'm free. I am free. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past. I've traded my shackles for a glorious crown. I'm free. Praise the Lord. I'm free at last. That's the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. I close today. I close today. Political freedom is grand, but even grander still would be the freedom from our destructive desires. But even grander than that is the freedom from our separation from God. He came to set the captive free. And so on this day, this is why I enjoy preaching. Because any time I ever get a chance to preach about the cross in Jesus Christ, I'm going to preach about him. Because the cross still makes a difference in my life. And it makes a difference in your life. Nobody can do us like Jesus can. You sang an old song at youth camp. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody, can't nobody do me. I feel a little black in me right now. Do me like the Lord. Can't nobody, can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my 
he can't find the key because I sang, in, I sang between the cracks. Wow. Just think about it for a minute. Just think about it. Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Oh, I'm going to die one day, but old grave, where's your victory? Old death, where is your sting? (laughs) The blood of Jesus changed my destinations. The river changed, and I'm on the other side of it now saying, how y'all doing? I'm free. Tell me his name again. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. I love you. Clap your hands real big. God's good. Wow. Have I told you lately how much I love you? Been at that funeral last night. Made me appreciate you even more than I ever appreciated you. I love this church. Some of those people from that funeral is going to be visiting our church the next few weeks and we're going to make them feel real good because those people need a church. They need a church. And Christian life's going to be that church. The father that lost his son and daughter-in-law said, I can drive to hear you preach, Pastor. I'm going to come. I'm going to come hear the gospel. I want to be in a church. You know what? God's going to let it be. And God's going to comfort that family because nobody can do that. Governments can't comfort that family. But Jesus can comfort that family today. I want you to step out of your pew. We're not going to give a per se altar call with our prayer partners. Just step out of your pew. Step forward. Step out. Get outside the lines. Come on. Come on. Just show me you're moving to the word today. You're just moving. Just step one step, one to the right, one to the left. Come on. Just step out. Just step out. Don't do it for me. Do it for the Lord. Do it for Jesus that has set us free. Amen. Amen. Just step out in the aisle today. Isn't it awesome? Hey, isn't it good to be in church today? Come on, isn't it good? Isn't it good to be in church today? Isn't it good? (laughs) I want you to raise your hand and say, I trust you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I love you for saving me. And I confess to you that I need you. And I believe in you. And I accept you into my heart once again today on this, on this 4th of July weekend. Come into my heart. Wash my sins. Cleanse my life. In Jesus' name. We've all done it. Now clap your hands real big. Amen. Good stuff. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want y'all to join hands or join arms or whatever. If you're a germaphobe, take an arm. Don't take a hand. And I want you to, I want you to, I want you to close your eyes and kind of lift your hands about this high so nobody gets their arms hurting, okay? About this high. We're going to sing a chorus, a verse, and a chorus of a song that we hadn't sung in a long time in this church. But we're going to sing it in closing. It goes like this. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame sing it now sing it 
And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners Was slain I want you to open your mouth and sing it, sing it So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. That's our freedom, folks. That's our freedom. That's our freedom. Till my trophies at last I lay down. Oh, and I will cling to the old rugged that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.